Welcome to When Things Go Wrong, a show about what happens when the things you expect to go just fine simply don't. I'm your host, Frank Sapovitz, and on today's episode, we're joined by Greg Schaefer, an accomplished leader in risk management and mitigation. Greg Schaefer leads the Schaefer Security Group, a security consulting and risk assessment firm based in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. He started the company to develop security, intelligence, and training solutions for companies and their employees, including active shooter training, internal investigations, situation awareness training, and travel security. Greg is a 20-year FBI veteran and served on the Bureau's elite hostage rescue team. He is an FBI-certified crisis negotiator, defensive tactics instructor, paramedic, and close-quarter battle instructor. So when something goes wrong for me, I hope Greg is standing right beside me. He was the host of the police drama Body Cam Behind the Badge on Discovery Channel and authored the book Stay Safe, Security Secrets for Today's Dangerous World. It is because it is indeed a dangerous world that we have Greg here with us today who will share his perspectives and several case studies about what to do when things go wrong. Here is my conversation with Greg Schaefer. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to When Things Go Wrong, Greg. Thank you, Frank. It is great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. So, Greg... We check our feeds, we turn on the radio or television, and there seems to be an active shooter incident every single day. It didn't seem like it was always that way to me. So is the world actually getting more dangerous or are we just hearing about things that were always there, but just not covered as regularly or as nationally? Well, that's a good question, Frank. I think the answer is yes to both. Uh, I do think, and FBI statistics support it, that the world is getting much more dangerous, much more violent. But with the advent of social media and cell phones and technology, we're able to hear about those things virtually instantaneous. So the answer to your question is yes to both of those. The world is getting more dangerous, but yes, we are hearing more about them as well. So your business is to prepare organizations and the people who work for them for the possibility of being faced with an active shooter incident, for example. That's more important than ever, it seems. Absolutely. Um, I'm always surprised at these Fortune 500, Fortune 50 companies that really don't have a, a plan for when bad things happen. Uh, they don't have an active shooter response plan that's been communicated to their employees. And they're putting themselves at risk both physically and uh, through litigation if something should happen at their place of business. So uh, what I try to do is I try to identify those businesses and get myself in front of this the C-suite directors, the decision makers, and get them to bring me in to educate them as leaders and also to educate their people on what the best responses should be um, should they be caught in an active shooter situation. So 
one of the things that that I say all the time, and I know I'm not the only one who says it, is hope is not a strategy, right? It's you can't hope that something's not going to happen to you. That's not that's not the reason why you proceed to do nothing. Um, so you know, companies, I I suppose, think it can't happen to them, or they hope it doesn't happen to them. Yeah, like you said, hope's not a strategy. I say that all the time as well. Um, you know, one of the hashtags I put in all my social media posts, and I always mention is always have a plan. You know, let's go back to our childhood. Um, we were taught from a very early age, as young as three, that should our clothes catch on fire or all of a sudden we spontaneously combust, what do we do if you catch on fire? We stop, drop, and roll. Now, personally, I can't think of a more heinous way to die than being burnt alive. But we've discussed the stop, drop, and roll from a very early age. So it's not fearful to us anymore. So we need to do the same thing with active shooters. We need to talk about active shooters, make sure people know exactly what to do in the event they're caught up in that situation so that they're acting on, on what they know is the right response and not reacting and, and, and freezing in fear, which oftentimes happens, which results in the death of the individual. You know, hiding and hoping is certainly the last thing you want to do in the event of an active shooter. Uh, you, want to, you want to get off that X, get, you know, get away from the shooter as quickly as, and create some, as much distance as possible from that shooter. So it's just that mindset for the companies to get them to think about it and to address that threat and not be afraid to discuss it with their employees. So companies are actually doing their employees a public service in addition to taking care of having a plan for the workplace. Absolutely. Frequently, you could encounter a, an active shooter in a recreational setting. And we're going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about one of those things. Let, let's look at one of those tragedies. Let, let's go to the night of June 12th, 2016 in Orlando, Florida. And that's the Pulse nightclub shooting. T help us deconstruct that. What happened? How could it have been prevented? And could it have been less deadly? The first chapter of my book is titled Survival Mindset. And it's based on that situation at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. What happened is when a shooter walked into the nightclub at a little over 2 a.m. and started shooting the crowd, nine people ran into a restroom. Four people ran into another restroom. And a couple minutes into the shooting, with the 911 call still being recorded, the shooter walked into the restroom and one at a time shot all nine of those individuals. They sat there huddled in the corner, waiting for their turn to die. Now that's horrific to stand there and watch as he comes to you and points his weapon at you knowing that you're going to die. I have to ask myself, and I wasn't there, and I don't want to say anything bad about the dead. I wasn't there, but I do know that that would not be the same case had I been in that bathroom. I, I, I asked myself, virtually every day. What were they thinking? Why didn't they fight back? Because if myself and eight other people were locked in that bathroom, the minute that door shut, I would say, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. I would point to the biggest guy and say, okay, you grab the weapon. And the next guy or girl, you, you know, grab him around the neck. You tackle his legs, bring him to the floor. And the rest of us, the other six of us, are literally going to tear this man apart limb by limb. Because if we don't, what happens? 
Well, what happened, or what would happen, is exactly what did happen. All nine of those people perished. They never fought back. You know, we're talking about improvised weapons. If a woman was, was wearing a high heel shoe, that's a great weapon. Every restroom in America has a mirror. How about breaking off a corner piece of that mirror, wrapping a shirt around it, and now you have a great improvised weapon to stab him with. But they didn't fight back. And the 911 calls record the shooting of those nine individuals. And it took almost 30 seconds for him to shoot those nine individuals as he just sat there and waited for the turn to die. So we need to teach people about survival mindset. See, survival in a critical situation, and it's not just an active shooter. It's your car being swept away in a raging flood or your house is caught on fire. Survival in a critical situation is not how fast and strong you are. It's how strong you are mentally. Survival is a mindset. It's not a skill set. And that's the one, you know, one of two things that you have to have in order to survive in today's more dangerous world. Survival mindset and good situational awareness. You have those two things, chances are you're going to live a very long and prosperous and enjoyable life. And there's a step before running into the restroom. I mean, that's, that's what they ended up doing. But the, the first thing you want to do is get away from the situation. Absolutely. Right? Get off the X. Yeah, get, get away if you possibly can. And if you find yourself in a situation where it's impossible to do that, not, not easy to do that, then, you know, you, you get into a situation like the one you just mentioned. I, like I said, at the top of the show, I, I would want you sitting next to me anytime something like this is happening because I mean, you clearly have the training, uh, you know, par excellence. Um, but you know, what you've done is you've taught people how to handle these things when Greg Schaefer is not in the room. And that's, you know, that's the most important thing Now you specialize in situational awareness training. And, and it sounds a little bit like what you've been discussing is situational awareness. I mean, on the surface, those words seem to make a lot of sense to me, but tell me exactly what you mean by situational awareness. Well, it's very simple. It's just knowing who and what is happening around you. It's, you know, um, Everything is not rainbows and unicorns. You can't go through life with your head buried in your cell phone thinking that nothing bad is ever going to happen. Um, it's just, it, it's not paranoia. It's the relaxed awareness. You know, it's not looking behind every bush and around every corner and thinking everybody's a, a, a you know, a violent individual. It's not that at all. It's in a relaxed awareness so that when something does enter your environment, you are aware of what it is. Uh, there's a great book out there as well called uh, Left of Bang. And it talks about looking for the anomalies in each and every environment that you're in. Because every environment has its norm. And what you want to do is look for things that are outside the norm. So if you're, in a, if you're in a movie theater and you're standing in line to buy your tickets and you look inside the movie theater uh, you know, in the lobby and there's a guy in the corner standing against the wall with his arms folded, that's an anomaly. People in the lobby of a, of a movie house are either buying their popcorn, standing in the line for the restroom, or waiting to get inside the theater. They're not just standing in the corner with their arms folded. Now, he may not be up to no good, but at the same time, that should catch your attention. So if or when he does draw that weapon, you're two steps in front of it, and you're out the door before he can fire his first shot. It's just being aware of who and what's happening around you. It's, it's, it really is simple, but it takes a conscious effort to do it. 
I, I'm not, I'm not um, casting any shadow over what you just said, but I'm usually the guy in the corner with my arms folded, waiting for my <laughs> wife to get out of the bathroom. So, to me, that's a very normal thing. But, but you know, I, I take your point. I take your point entirely. Um, it, it's looking for the things that seem out of place. Now, here's one that was out of place, perhaps. Let's look at another incident that illustrates the importance of situational awareness. It was Bastille Day, July 14th, 2016. It's in Nice, France. And a truck starts a deadly journey down the Promenade d'Anglais. Um, tell us about that incident and, and what lessons we can learn from that. Sure. Uh, again, it was, it's a National Independence Day. The street was closed off to traffic, and a white 19-ton truck traveled almost a mile at 45 miles an hour. Now, a 19-ton truck, that's a large truck. And ultimately, he killed over 80 people and injured over 400. And my question that I ask my audiences when I discuss this incident is this. Had you been on that street... Don't you think you would have sensed something behind you was not correct or not right or was amiss? I mean, here's a truck traveling at 45 miles an hour, just mowing over people, eight, over 80 killed, hundreds injured. Don't you think that there would have been screams, the, 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 the roaring of the engine, uh, you know, people just in, in, in the dying throes of death, your, your spidey senses would have I thought pick up something. And then you turn around and see this truck bearing down the street. The simple, simple solution is get off the street. I cannot fathom and I cannot understand how he was able to kill over 80 people in, 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 a, in a mile distance without people just get, simply getting off the street to save themselves. You know, we had an incident a few months out or a few years after that in Central Park where an individual rented a, a Home Depot truck on Halloween, I believe it was, and he ran over and killed seven people. Now, I'll give you seven people. He can run over seven people before everybody around him recognizes what's happening. They get, they get, they get off the street. But I, I just can't understand how he, this person with a steel day in Nice, France, how he was able to kill 80 people because just being aware of what's happening around you would have been the solution to keep yourself safe. Yeah, I, I imagine that it was a very noisy environment. I imagine it was a very crowded environment. Um, I, I guess the question is, you know, in a situation like that, had there been a, a, a wide understanding of what was happening, whether there would have been even a stampede trying to get out of the way, and that could have created even, even more problems, Greg, I think, right? True, but I've never heard any reports of any of the deaths being a result of a stampede. That all the no, they they weren't. Right, they weren't. I'm I'm suggesting. I'm not suggesting. I'm wondering um, if there weren't just an enormous number of people there, and mm -hmm. they just didn't didn't know because they couldn't see or they couldn't hear. Um, but you're 100 percent right. Uh, you have to understand what's going on around you, and it goes back to what you said originally, which is looking for the anomalies. And if you saw a truck back there in a place where a truck shouldn't be and it's moving, you'd probably want to get out of the way. And, and it's another perfect example. Uh, again, just simple situational awareness. You know, every 10 or 12 steps, just look behind you, see if anybody's following you, see if, anything, see if anything's happening behind you or around you. It's just being aware of your surroundings. And that's in 360 degree um, realm. 
Yeah, not being paranoid, just being safe. So here's another one more tragic incident uh, in Walmart in El Paso, Texas, August 23rd, 2019. Um, that was in your home state. Tell us about that one and, and what lessons were learned from that incident. Well, again, always have a plan. Who would have ever thought on a bright, sunny Saturday afternoon uh, in El Paso, Texas, you got the Walmart and all of a sudden you hear shots ring out. Um, you know, lessons learned on that one. Here, here's a few facts and figures about active shooters in America. 76% of active shooters walk in the front door, whether it's a school, a business, or, or whatever the case is. So if you're in a Walmart or in a church or in your office building and you hear shots ring out, are you going to run toward the front door or the back door? Well, 76% of the shooters walk to the front door. I know which direction I'm running, and it's going to be out the back door. Another statistic. The average distance that a shooter kills his victims in an active shooter event is less than five feet. Why is that? Because those that freeze in fear or hide on, or just crouch on the ground or hide behind the cash register or hide underneath their desks, they make easy targets. These shooters go for the easy targets. And if you're stationary, hiding behind a desk or behind a cashier counter, that's the target he's going to take. And that's why the average distance is less than five feet of the active shooter killing this victim. And here's a final stat. With a handgun, the hit rate on a moving target is 4%. The long gun is about 10%. So if the hit rate is 4%, what's the miss rate? 96%. So you have a 96% chance of not being shot by doing one simple thing. And that's running. It's what we call it, again, get off the X. Create as much distance and space between you and the shooter. So the Walmart shooting was a perfect example. Of if, you know, again, if you hear gunfire, don't rational. If you hear what you think is gunfire, don't rationalize your fears away. What happens in a lot of these cases, people hear the gunfire and they rationalize their, their fears away saying, oh, it can't be gunfire because gunfire is not going to happen in a Walmart. You know, or it's not going to happen in my office space. It's got to be fireworks. Well, fireworks are less dangerous. So we think about the less dangerous thing to ourselves. It's, it's human nature. Well, in today's, you know, today's day and world, in a violent world that we're living in, what is a higher probability? Fireworks in the workplace or gunfire in the workplace? Because I've yet to hear of an incident where fireworks went off in the workplace. So if you hear what you think is gunfire, think that it is gunfire and react accordingly. Don't rationalize, don't rationalize those fears away. I, you know, there's one thing that I took away from what you just said. I, I took a lot of things away, but one in particular, which is we think about emergency exits for the purpose of evacuating during a fire. But knowing where the emergency exits are, you said the back door is the way to go because most assailants come through the front. Knowing where the emergency exits is not just about a potential fire and waiting for the fire alarm to go off in your own office, in your own apartment buildings, whatever it happens to be, knowing where those emergency exits could save your life in a situation like this as well. That's a very good point. And that's part of situational awareness as well. Yeah, There's no what its exits are, but you're absolutely right. I think most people look at those as a fire only exit and not yeah. as a you know, other critical incident exit.
So listeners, we also have with us today Skylar Stewart, and, and Skylar is the Senior Vice President at Defendry, which is a leading emergency response technology solution provider for companies and governments. That is a mouthful, right, Skylar? How can technology help us either eliminate, reduce, or mitigate the damage experienced in the kinds of incidents that Greg has been talking about? Absolutely. And, and Frank, thanks for having me. So, I mean, technology is emerging. So now it's becoming available for businesses and customers to actually um, acquire this type of technology to be proactive about it. So it's complementing what Greg's been talking about, about situational awareness. Um, and, and so being ha having technology in place to try to mitigate or eliminate those types of risk is available and it's emerging. And so, you know, what we're, we are really doing is, is, being a proactive solution, right? So we want to stop something from happening and eliminate as much loss as life as possible. And so it's just like the the examples that we're talking about um, fire and fire exits. I mean, before it was mandated uh, by fire code to have um, smoke alarms, there was a lot of deaths in that. And so now that has become mandated, just like Greg talked about stop, drop and roll. And so we really feel that active shooter type of artificial intelligence and software will become just like fire code. It will become like smoke detectors and stop, drop and roll to where that it's, we have to talk about it. We have to understand it and it's happening. This country is getting more dangerous and we need to put technology in front of the problem to try to mitigate those types of risk. And Defendry provides some of those solutions. If you could help us understand the kinds of things that you that you offer to businesses, as well as any kind of real life examples of how you've been able to have a positive impact on an emergency response or reduce the damage of a crisis that was unfolding. Absolutely. So, so what really Defender provides again is a proactive solution to where it's artificial intelligence combined with software and a lot of other things that I won't go into, but it's really a, a proactive solution to where we can see, like we talked about before, someone walking up to the door and we can automatically see a weapon. We can automatically lock the doors. Uh, we alert the customer. We have a human in the loop to uh, verify that threat. Uh, and then we call police. And so we're basically uh, expediting emergency response and keeping the customer informed along the way of what's going on um, in that type of threat incident. And you know, some examples, uh, we have several, but one customer of ours, uh, it's a large outdoor public park uh, venue, and they their biggest issues were number one, active shooter types of events, someone walking in because they're seeing thousands of people a day. And then they also have suicide attempts as well. And so we implemented our solution to see a weapon at the front door, lock the doors. They have armed security guards on site. Um, we alert them immediately with a critical alert. And what I mean by critical is, you know, if you've ever received an amber alert or a tornado warning, it's that loud siren sound. Um, and so we alert the customer with that critical alert and we verify it with our human loop and we immediately dispatch police. So again, expediting response, keeping the customer informed and to Greg's point, giving them more situational awareness so that they can react appropriately. Um, and then, you know, with the suicide attempts where they can upload an image of, uh, the person that has attempted a suicide attempt. And then when they come within a camera, uh, distance, we can detect that person, um, and do those same protocols to prevent again, loss of life or another suicide attempt. 
So we're going to talk about how you can get in touch with uh, Skylar and and learn more about Defendry at the end of our of our podcast. But but Skylar, I'm going to ask you a personal question because I noted in your biography that you are also a motocross competitor, at least you were before you got into the technology world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What kinds of skills did you acquire as a motocross racer that are applicable to emergency preparedness and situational awareness? Well, it's, it's ironic. So it it actually has a huge benefit uh, with my business career in that being a motocross racer, just like Greg, you know, putting your life on the line uh, every day that you go out, um, you, you, you're putting your life on the line. So it's really a fear factor. And so it trains your mind and it actually helps with situational awareness, um, not being scared, not being hiding in a corner. And so that helps us build the business in, okay, how can we be proactive about it? And, you know, the, the simple things that, uh, uh, people in a business fear every day, like a no, you know, as an answer or things like that, it, it truly helps you be prepared and not be scared of those things and take a leap beyond because we're a cutting edge technology. So it, it truly helps in not being scared of the simple things and really putting what the mission is forward, which is saving lives at the end of the day. Well, and, and motocross, you were definitely, you were definitely having to be aware of everything that was going on around you so that you could stay the course for the entire mm-hmm. race. So I, I'm one day I want to talk to you about that because that is just a fascinating thing to me. Greg, tell us about your book, Stay Safe, Security Secrets for Today's Dangerous World. What, what will our listeners discover if they, if they buy and read your book? Um, you know, it was really written for the, the layman, for somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, no police experience, no military experience. It, it's, it's written ideally for uh, those getting ready to go to college or moving out on their own. Uh, it, it just talks about ways that you can make your life more safe. Again, the first chapter is survival mindset. Second chapter is situational awareness. Again, having those two things in and of itself will keep you safe. But then we talk about travel safety. And we talk about what you should do should you get caught up in an, in an active shooter event. We talk about church safety and school safety and corporate safety. Um, so it, it covers the entire gambit of no matter what environment you're in or what uh, career you choose to take, uh, it gives you good practical advice on how to stay safe, recognize those pre-incident indicators to violence, and, and having a right plan in place in your mind so that, as Skylar alluded to it earlier, you don't freeze in fear. Um, you know, like in motor, I, I, I didn't know about the motocross. So I thought that was fantastic, and it's such a, a, a great connection between you know security situation awareness and motocross. Absolutely, because if you're not if you're not dialed in on that bike, you know, every second that you're on it, you know, you, your your life is is truly in danger. And this book teaches you how to stay dialed in without being paranoid. It's available I, on Amazon, and I, you know I, I get a lot of great feedback that you know, particularly for the, those young people now today moving out on their own or going to college, that it just gave them all kinds of great tools to put in their toolbox. I I have a copy of your book, Greg, and and I hadn't thought about it for the college student. I think that's brilliant, um, and so important because it seems that 
schools, both of higher education and and middle and low and elementary education, have been targets. So, as parents, we should we should arm our kids with the right information. We should arm ourselves with the right information. And even though all three of my boys are now out of college, I, I you've just sold three copies because <laughs> I want to make sure that they're as safe as they could possibly be. So as a part of your FBI training, you were a hostage rescue team tactical operator. And like everything in government, there there's lots of words that are used for just about everything. But tell us what a hostage rescue team tactical operator is, what kinds of crises you would be activated for, what kinds of things you might need to respond to. Uh, well, to the surprise of most people in our country, um, the FBI does operate overseas. Uh, it's generally with the consent of the host government. But the FBI hostage rescue team uh, came into existence because of the 1972 Munich Olympic Massacre. If you're not familiar with the uh, Munich Massacre, uh, Israeli athletes were taken hostage by Palestinian terrorists. And during the rescue attempt operation, all of the hostages were killed. Well, 1972, President Nixon had already been told that America was going to have the 1980 uh, Lake Placid Winter Olympics, as well as the 1984 Los Angeles Summer Olympic Games. And he asked his National Security Council, what is the U.S. response should the U.S. have an incident similar to what happened in Munich? Well, there was deafening silence in the room. The United States did not have a response. SEAL Team 6 wasn't even invented yet. Delta Force was so secretive that they didn't even exist, according to the public. And they're also U.S. military, so they cannot operate on U.S. soil because of the Posse Comitatus Act. Now, I know this is getting in the weeds a little bit, but at that time, President Nixon told the FBI director, develop a tactical team that has a skill set to address a hostage situation similar to what happened in Munich. That was the genesis of the HRT. So the HRT uh, works mostly domestically because uh, on hostage situations. Should there be an a, a airplane uh, hijacked and there's hostages on, on the tarmac, HRT would get the, the, the call on that. Again, because U.S. military cannot operate on domestic soil. That being said, um, you will never see a Tier 1 operator from SEAL Team 6 or from Delta Force ever go into a court of law and raise their right hand and, and, and swear an oath. Uh, so we train to their level, and we train alongside with them, and we travel overseas to help um, capture those individuals who are indicted in the United States to stay in trial. That's why the HRT was with SEAL Team 6 and, and Delta Force when they were looking for Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein. Both of them were indicted in the Eastern District of New York. Um, uh, Osama bin Laden was indicted in the Eastern District of New York for the Tanzania and Kenya bombings, for the World Trade Center bombings. So initially, the intent was to capture Osama bin Laden. There, When we captured him in the caves of Tora Bora, for example, the HRT could have been there to say, okay, you also are under arrest. They take custody of all the evidence, they maintain that chain of custody, then the HRT escorts Osama bin Laden and all the evidence back to New York, where all the evidence, again, chain of custody is a big issue when it comes to trials, and then we go in the stand and we testify that we were there, and the trial continues, and everything is, is administratively pure when it comes to um, what the lawyers require. So that's a very long answer, but that was the genesis of the HRT. So we still continue to work overseas, but mostly domestically. 
and capturing and looking for the worst of the worst. I, I it's fascinating, and I'm glad you. Were, are the, I don't want you to divulge any classified or confidential information. I know, no, you wouldn't, because you've been trained not to. Are, are there any cases you can share that you might have contributed to that that the team worked on? Um, one that comes to mind is the DC snipers. Remember in 2000, uh, John Mohammed and uh, Bo- Lee Boy Malvo brought the Washington, D.C. area, Northern Virginia, Southern Maryland, to a screeching halt for three weeks. Um, HRT did the assault on the vehicle and the rest stopped when we finally located them and arrested them and brought that uh, to a halt. So I was uh, very involved in that. So that's, that's one example. And then uh, the, uh, also the kidnapping of the young five-year-old uh, off a school bus in Alabama. And then uh, the perpetrator took the kid and put him in a bunker. It was a five-day standoff. That was just about five years ago. That was also an HRT operation. Well, we're grateful. We're grateful for your service, Greg. Have Have you been able to share any of the skills you were trained that you got through your training as a tactical operator with those of us in the business community? Um, not so much in the business community. Uh, I do a lot of tactical training for police officers and for those you know civilians or in the business community that have a a pretty confident skill set with weapons, uh, they'll hire me to get more advanced tactical training. But the, most of that training is a little um, above and beyond the skill set of most civilians who want to just carry a concealed handgun. Uh, but we, we do have 180 acres out in Weatherford, Texas, that is a, tr- a firearms training facility. And we have quite a few police officers and tactical teams that come out there and train with us. Uh, understood. So on your company website, you mentioned that your philosophy is to prevent incidents from happening and that, and I quote, responding to a threat after the fact means there was a weakness in security planning. H- how do you help clients develop the best possible plans to prevent those incidents or mitigate the threats? Well, I, I'm not a paid spokesman, but bringing in people like Skyler and his company to help mitigate those threats. Uh, it, it, it's a, um, a multifaceted answer to that problem. Uh, educating the people is one of them, you know, training them on how to react. But more importantly is you, you want to bring in technology to mitigate that risk so it doesn't happen. If you can identify it before it happens and then take care of that, you know, there's no need to respond. So having the, 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 the shot indicators and the cameras that pick up uh, weapons before they're drawn, even that, can, that senses the, the, the metal in a jacket, you know, when it's still hidden or, uh, you know, shot detection systems, those kind of, you know, mitigation systems that notify the police are there on scene. And number one, and one of the critical aspects is when the police officers get on scene, having the first responders know exactly the location. So they're not looking all around the school or all around the business park for that shooter. They know the exact corner he's at, the exact floor he's on, the exact room he's in. That saves very valuable time, which saves multiple lives. So bringing in technology is truly you know, the first and foremost thing you need to do and then educate your employees. And and for us on the uh, on the layman's level, and and assuming that 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 technology is there or it may not be there, our our response needs to be quick, and it needs to involve three digits, nine one one. 
the faster you get your first responders there, the lesser the damage is going to be. I heard that I heard you say that in other words earlier in in the podcast. Getting the first responders there quickly is part of what Skylar and his company do. But if you're involved or witnessing something like that, those are the most important things to do without question. Absolutely. Create space and distance is the first thing you want to do. Dial 911, get the responders there. But again, the more definitive and accurate information you can give those first responders, the more that will save lives. Amen to that. So in one of our fascinating conversations before today's podcast, you shared a really interesting uh, and revealing fact with me. And that was that the U.S. Secret Service, which is an elite government security agency, has never had a member fire their weapon during protection operations in their hundred plus years of history. Why is that? Um, two simple reasons. Uh, one, they do great advance work. They get on site in advance of the president's visit and they mitigate the risk. They look for the vulnerabilities and they mitigate those. They take care of those vulnerabilities. They fix it. Uh, and a lot of that's done with technology. So they do a great advance work. And then once they're on site, they're really good at recognizing those pre-incident indicators of violence. They know what to look for. They look for the anomalies in the environment and they address those. So uh, yeah, my brother, uh, younger brother, uh, a proud 25-year um, veteran of the Secret Service. He retired the same year I did back in 2015. And um, you know, very proud of his service with the Secret Service. And he's the one that brought that to my attention. And, uh, and, and I'll put that in my best stat is in my book as well. I, I think I find it as interesting as you do. Yeah, it, it really is fascinating. And, and it, it goes back to looking for the anomalies, advancing everything. Um, so in business, you do the same thing, right? You, you think about all the things that could get in your way, all the things that are out there in the environment that are obstacles, and you try to close those gaps. And you talk about it in your book, contingencies. Yeah. Contingencies, contingencies. You got to have a plan for everything you don't plan for. <laughs> right. You have to have a good plan A before you have contingencies. And, and that's, that's key too, right? You look for those vulnerabilities and it informs your plan A before you even get to the contingencies. Right. You have to have a plan A that's going to be actionable and workable. Well, listeners, we've been talking with Greg Schaefer, the Texas-based Schaefer Security Group is his company. There were so many golden nuggets of wisdom and some really interesting facts from, from the security business that we can apply to our own businesses and to our lives in general. And, and hopefully we're never faced with anything remotely like what, what Greg has been describing and what, what Skyler's company helps uh, law enforcement and, and property owners and, and corporations deal with. You can re reach Greg at SchaeferSecurityGroup.com. That's Schaefer spelled S-H-A-F-F-E-R, securitygroup.com. And joining us as well was Skylar Stewart, the Senior Vice President of, of Defendry. And you can learn more about Defendry's emergency response technology platform at Defendry.com. So that's defend and then ry.com. It's been a fascinating and honestly, really kind of sobering conversation, gentlemen. Thank you both for joining us on When Things Go Wrong. Thank you, Frank. Thank you very much, Frank. Great seeing you. Skylar, stay safe, brother. Learn more about how to plan for and survive the inevitable blips, bloopers, and blunders of life and business in What to Do When Things Go Wrong 
available in hard copy, ebook, and audiobook from Amazon.com and other fine booksellers. I'm Frank Sapovitz, and remember, if it hasn't happened to you, it just hasn't happened to you yet. The When Things Go Wrong podcast is produced by Chris and Mandy Wimmer and is a production of Black Barrel Media in association with Fast Traffic Entertainment. You can find more Black Barrel Media shows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. For more background on this show, join us at Black Barrel Media on Facebook and Instagram, at B Barrel Media on Twitter, and on our website at blackbarrelmedia.com. See you next time, if all goes well. Thank you.